Vacation Bible School. I know we had a great time yesterday and uh, at, at the park, at the Elevano Park, passing out Vacation Bible School invites. I know the young adults passed out Vacation Bible School invites Tuesday in the neighborhood around here and, and uh, last Saturday as well. There was there was a great time of, of, of being in the community and, and handing out invitations to Vacation Bible School. Invite, 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 and I believe it's going to be a great, I believe it's going to be a great week this week, and uh, so been looking forward to VBS this week, amen, amen, come on, you can be a little bit better than that, anybody looking forward to Vacation Bible School this week, all right, if you're doing the motions, MCA, right, motions for Napoleon Dynamite, whatever that was. I'm excited about Vacation Bible School. It starts at 6.30 every night, this uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. Pre-service starts at 6, so get here. Once you get here at 6, we'll start registering. The kids will come on in here and have a good time. And um, and then Vacation Bible School starts. will start at 6.30. It's going to be a great, great week. All right? You got your Bible. We are, of course, going through the Gospel of Luke. We are looking at... Luke's gospel, the gospel according to this wonderful man of God, and uh, I believe that this morning that God is going to speak to our hearts today, and that God is going to uh, to minister to us today. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter chapter nine this morning, and and allowing the Lord to speak to our hearts today. Let's start with a word of prayer. This morning, and um, and then get into the Word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy today. We ask God that as we get into your Word, that your Word would get into us, and that we would bear much fruit: fruit of righteousness, fruit of repentance, and fruit of the Spirit. Lord God, that your Word would be established in our hearts, and that our hearts cleansed by the word today. We'll give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Can you think of anywhere better than being on a mountain with Jesus? Right? Can you think of anywhere better than being on a mountain with Jesus? We, uh, of course, you guys know we moved down here from the Chattanooga area. Lookout Mountain is my wife's family. Their backyard is literally Lookout Mountain. It just goes right up there, and then there's the big Cloudland Canyon golf course right up there. It's beautiful. And um, there is nothing better than than getting up on the mountain and just looking out and, and seeing the valley, seeing what's out below you, and that's just beautiful. It's beautiful looking at the mountains. And, and, but could you imagine doing that with Jesus, like being on the mountaintop with Jesus? Not only are you away from the pressures of the valley below, right? You, you're, and not only do you have the ability to look miles ahead, or if you're on, if you're at, at uh, uh, Rock City, see in seven states, right? So, <laughs> not only do you have that ability, or you have the, the ability to, to see the beauty from a new perspective. You. You have the ability to see where you are going. Not only do you experience the mountaintop, but if you're on the mountaintop with Jesus, you actually get to experience that with Jesus, the one who created and the one who spoke all things into existence. What could be better than being on a mountain with Jesus? If you're on a mountain with Jesus, let me just ask you, if you're on a
comes, he would go up on the mountain, not to hang glide, but he would go up on the mountain to pray. And we see that happening in, in, in where we're going to be this morning in Luke chapter, chapter 9. Jesus heads up on a mountain to pray. Could you actually imagine being on a mountaintop prayer meeting with Jesus? If there were any time that you would be excited about a prayer meeting, because let's be honest, most of the time we're not super excited about prayer meetings. Usually only the pastor's excited about the prayer meetings and like one or two other people. And everybody else is like, how long have we been here praying? Looks like we've been here like two hours. How long has it been? time you were going to be excited about a prayer meeting, you would think it would at least be the prayer meeting on the mountain with Jesus. Unless, of course, you were Peter, James, and John, then you're just going to fall asleep. I don't know why they fell asleep. Maybe it was the journey up the mountain wore them out. Maybe they stayed up as long as they could and their eyes, they couldn't keep their eyes open any longer. Maybe it was late and they knew they had to get up the next morning. Whatever it was, Peter, James, and John fell asleep in what would be one of the most incredible prayer meetings ever. Luke chapter 9, you got your Bibles open there. Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 28, that's where we're going to pick up this morning. It says about eight days after the conversation, that conversation of taking up your cross and following Jesus, about eight days after that conversation, he took along, he took along Peter and John and James and went up the mountain to pray, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white, and suddenly two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, and they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And Peter and those who were with him were in a deep sleep, and when they became fully awake, they saw his glory, and the two men were standing with him. And as the two men were standing with him, as the two men were departing from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he was saying. And while he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them, and they became afraid as they entered the cloud. And if you were in Bible study Wednesday night, there's so many parallels to what we talked about Wednesday. And they became afraid as they entered the cloud, and they heard a voice from the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one, listen to him. And after the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent and at that time told no one what they had seen. I mean, seriously, come on, church. Moses and Elijah. Jesus in prayer. Jesus shining. Glory. Glorious. Glowing. Illuminating. Radiance. Jesus. His, his face is shining. His clothes are dazzling white. This is a prayer meeting any prayer meeting you've ever been to. Moses and Elijah had, had been gone from the earth for hundreds of years, hundreds upon hundreds of years, Moses for over a thousand years, and yet here they are standing before Jesus, talking with Jesus, and of course the light that is shining, this radiant light and this conversation, because I imagine Moses and Elijah and Jesus were pretty loud in their talking with one another. I doubt they were whispering things. Shh, Peter, James, and John. 
James and John took this light, this illumination, this radiance, this glory, and this conversation wakes up Peter, James, and John. And Peter does the normal stuff Peter does, and Peter speaks forcefully but ignorantly. Peter always had an opinion. It was always forcefully expressed, and it was usually ignorant. Does anybody know anybody like Peter? They always have an opinion. They're always ready to get it, and usually they have no idea what they're talking about. Because just because somebody speaks forcefully doesn't mean they have a clue of what they're saying. And so Peter does his Peter stuff, and the Father then speaks out of the cloud and rebukes Peter. And then Peter, James, and John, they shut up, and they don't speak about this again for years and years and years. That's the mountaintop experience with Jesus. That's some prayer meeting, right? Let's dig in a little bit, all right? Let's dig into it. Let's start off talking about these two witnesses. Luke chapter 9, verse 29, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. Reminds us of when Moses came down out of the mountain. His clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They, were, they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. These two witnesses, Moses and Elijah. Moses. Moses had led his own departure out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. And he had led the Hebrews to the edge of the promised land, but he was not allowed to go into the promised land because of his own sin. God had used him mightily. God had used him to bring the Hebrew people to depart into this mass exodus, this mass departure from Egypt. He was able to lead them to the promised land, but he did not finish the task because of his sin. Moses had given them the law. Moses had them renew their covenant and renew their vow and to keep their covenant with God. Moses had led them across the Red Sea. He had, Moses had met with God on the mountain, and he had come down from the mountain with the Torah. He radiated and had to actually cover his face so that the people would not be afraid when they saw him. He interceded for the people. This is Moses. He interceded for the people. He mediated between God and the people. He, he functioned in a priestly role in that moment. He led them through the wilderness for 40 years. He judged them. He ruled them. He led them. He was their deliverer did not enter the promised land because of his sin, but God buried his body secretly. Michael the archangel and Satan actually had an argument over Moses' body, Scripture tells us. They fought over what would happen with Moses' body, Michael the archangel, Scripture tells us, one, and God took Moses' body secretly, buried it secretly. They didn't know where it was. Moses was cared for by God himself. Now this Moses, who was not allowed to enter in the promised land, but knew a lot about departure, was standing with Jesus on the mountaintop, talking about Jesus' soon coming. We talk about Elijah, this other witness here. Elijah was a prophet. He was a miracle worker, right? 
He was a righteous rebel against the idolatry and the immorality of the, his own Hebrew people and against the immorality and the idolatry of the, the Philistine people. But he was, a, he was even a mighty spiritual warrior against the Philistine people. He called fire down from heaven and consumed an altar. And the Philistines ran and their armies were defeated. He was a, he was a mighty man of God. He supernaturally defeated armies and had lightning come down and consumed armies. Elijah raised the dead. Elijah preached the word of God. Elijah stood up against wicked rulers. He invested into other prophets and he trained these other prophets how to hear the voice of God. He, Elisha was one of those who followed him and, and actually followed him all the way to the end of Elijah's journey and, and, and received Elijah's mantle to become the next generation of prophets. Elijah did not taste death, scripture says, but God took him up to heaven in a flaming, glory, uh, glowing, radiant chariot. And now here Elijah stands on the mountain with Jesus. Elijah knew about departure. He had departed into the presence of his almighty God in a way that none other had departed. He went up on the chariot of fire. Moses led a departure and then was brought before God. Elijah led a departure out of wickedness and a call back to holiness and departed unto God in a supernatural way. And here Moses and Elijah stand on the mountain of God with Jesus discussing his departure. Jesus is radiant with the glory of God. Wonder what they're talking about when they're, when they're talking about this departure. Moses and Elijah understood the mission of Jesus. Moses, I think, could speak to Jesus about how he led a departure out of Egypt and how Jesus would lead a departure of us out of bondage. Jesus would, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, tell us that when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. He led a departure. Jesus would not, Jesus would, would lead a people not to the edge of the promised land, but into the very promised God, right into the very presence of God. Jesus would taste death like Moses would taste death, but Jesus would not taste death for his own sin, but he would taste death because of the sin of the world. Jesus would be the bread in the wilderness. Jesus would be the like the serpent lifted high in the wilderness that, that would bring healing to the nations. Jesus would make the bitter waters sweet. And if you're familiar with any of the story of Moses, you see these parallels. Jesus would be the fulfillment of the law, the perfect priest, the, the final mediator. Jesus would be the, the new covenant, the temple, the sacrifice. Jesus would be the good and better Moses and all that Moses had represented talk about his departure, they're talking about how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Moses. Elijah, there too, discussing his departure. Talking about how Elijah didn't taste death. 
but then he ascended in a chariot to glory. Now Jesus would ascend in glory because Jesus, though he would die like Moses, he would not see decay, but he would be raised to life on the third day. Jesus would heal the sick. Jesus would raise the dead. Jesus would preach the good news of the kingdom. Jesus would challenge the religious hypocrite. Jesus would defeat the armies in and the enemy in the wilderness of temptation. Jesus would invest in his disciples. Jesus would be a rebel against the rulers and authorities that challenge the kingdom of heaven. Jesus would be the better prophet, the better teacher, the better miracle worker, and the better cloud rider. Jesus would be the good and better Elijah and all that Elijah represented. Jesus' departure meant the culmination of all that Moses and all that Elijah had instituted, had done, had proclaimed, and had prophesied. Jesus' departure meant deliverance and glory. And so when they discussed the departure, I believe they were discussing his soon death and his resurrection. Like the Hebrew people, they didn't have the body of Moses to go to in a tomb to go to mourn. We don't have the body of Jesus in a tomb. Like Elisha saw Elijah go up, we also have an ascended Jesus who left us his mantle in his spirit to empower us as his people. We have deliverance and we have glory because we have a departed, that's the departed one who's better than Moses and Elijah, has a departed Jesus. And so there is deliverance and there is glory for the people of God. Let's discuss his departure. When we discuss his departure, we're also going to discuss his return because his departure and his return are sides of the same coin. Acts chapter 1, you got your Bible, Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4. It says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. So this is after his death, after his resurrection, he is meeting with the disciples. He commands them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. He will come again. His departure and the means of his departure is evidence of his return. Every eye will see him when he returns. Jesus went up like he will come down. And so when they were discussing his departure, I believe they were discussing all of the future glory and all of the future deliverance that would come because of the work 
and the mission and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. His departure was not just about him being placed in the grave. His departure was about his resurrection, his ascension, and his return. He will come again, just like he went down. His departure means our redemption. His departure means our rescue. His departure means our victory. His departure means our hope. His departure means our salvation. His departure means his return. Wake up, Peter, James, and John. Wake up, church. There is a departure coming. Are you ready? Are you ready for that great and terrible day? Are you ready when every eye will see him, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father? Are you ready for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the man Christ Jesus? There's a departure coming, church. Yes, amen. When King Jesus King Jesus departs heaven and calls the church to himself, there is a departure coming. When those who are dead in Christ will be raised to life and those who are alive will join with them in our new resurrected bodies, there will be a departure coming. There's a departure coming when the when we depart the confines of this mortal body and put on immortality, there's a departure coming. When we depart the corruptible and put on incorruptibility, there's a departure coming. When we depart the effects of the fall and put on the glory of the resurrection. There's a departure coming. When we depart the curse and put on the blessing. There's a departure coming when we depart the principalities and powers of this world system and we enter into the joys of the kingdom. There's a departure coming when we depart the the exile of the wilderness and enter again into the good garden of God with trees of healing and a river of living water. There is a departure coming. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen, Pastor. There's a departure coming. Are you ready and longing for that departure? We see Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. Verse 32 of Luke chapter 9. When Peter, James, and John were awakened, they were astonished at what they saw. Peter and those with him were in a deep sleep.
Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he was saying. He was fully awake. He had fully seen the glory of God, but he had no idea what he was talking about. I love these words inspired by Luke. Written by Luke, inspired by this man. Not knowing what he was saying. Not knowing what he was saying. I love that that's inspired by the Spirit. We need more of we need more of that, right? We need more of the Spirit just to tell us he has no idea. There's so many people, so many pastors, and so many prophets, so many leaders, glorifying themselves, and they're not glorifying God. They don't know. Said, let's build a tent. Put a shelter for you for Paul, for Elijah, who was the prophet, Messiah. Remember, Peter had already, we saw it last, uh, well, two weeks ago. Appreciate Joel ministering last week. Appreciate you guys allowing and, and, and uh, encouraging us to travel to my grandfather's uh, 90th birthday last week. We had a great time. Two weeks ago, we saw Peter identify Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the Living God. We guess who he was. But Peter did not understand that the Messiah was both the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and was simultaneously the mediator of a new and better covenant. That the law and the prophets were no longer the pathway to God. That Jesus fulfilled and superseded the law and the prophets. That Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The law cannot save. The prophets cannot save. They serve their purpose, but they are not worthy of worship. They serve their purpose, but they are not worthy of worship. The law does not save. Keeping the law does not save you. Only Jesus is worthy of worship only. Salvation. So here's what Peter wants to do, though. He wants to build these tents. He wants to build these structures for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. He wants to build these structures for for the law, the prophet, and the Messiah, thinking that that they all go together equally that they are equally worthy of worship and equally worthy of honor and equally worthy of worship. He wanted to hold on to the past ways of encountering God, not realizing that the fulfillment of the Godhead, the fullness of the Godhead bodily was right there in front of him. They wanted to continue to to worship and and honor the, the, the old ways of knowing God. Listen, church, we need to stop like Peter, stop building structures to the past ways God moved and simply follow Jesus today. We need to stop building structures to the past and worshiping the past. 
stop worshiping people. Whether God used the people or not, we need to stop worshiping people and worship Christ alone. Let's stop living like we need Jesus and something else. That we need Jesus and something else for our fulfillment of purpose in life. That we need Jesus and something else for our deepest soul satisfaction. Follow Jesus and worship Jesus because us to make sure that we know who Jesus is. So the Father speaks in verse 32. This is while Peter was saying this. While Peter was saying this, we need more holy God interruptions. We need more interruption from the Father. We need more interruption. saying things that don't make any sense or that we don't know what we're talking about or that are about our own kingdoms and our own power and our own prestige and our own glory and our and our own platform, when we are building up idols to the past or to ourselves, we need Jesus, we need the Father just to come in and say, you don't know what you're talking about. And listen, this is my son. Let's put our attention on him. Let's put our attention on Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus. Moses and Elijah, great folks. This is my son. Focus on Jesus. The voice came from the cloud. It says they became afraid as they entered the cloud, and the voice came from the cloud. This is my son, my chosen one. I love that. A cloud appeared and overshadowed them. It just, it just. I asked you a few weeks ago if you'd ever seen Lost, and you were all lost when I said that. So, but the cloud entered. It just, the cloud appeared, and they, it just began to overwhelm them. It just began to overshadow them. There was just this cloud all of a sudden, and they're they're freaking out, and they're afraid, and then our voice says, this is my son. I think, I, I think the father was trying to get their attention. I think the father was trying to make sure, yeah, they were fully awake, but now I'm going to make sure that they know what's going on here. He gets their attention. He speaks to them. This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. And after the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. And at that time told no one what they had seen. Well, I know most of you in this room watch superhero movies. This is like the same scenes here. Jesus is glowing. He's like become this mighty, glowing being ready to inflict judgment on somebody. And then a cloud appears, and a voice comes. Marvel's got nothing on Luke's gospel. Voice says, This is my son. Listen to him. Why? Because they were still trying to get They were still saying, Well, their, their voices are worth are worth listening to. As if their voice was in their way, and the revelation given to them was revelation that is now fulfilled in their lives by Jesus. 
Testament writers tell us that the Old Testament was lights and shadows of what was to come. Moses and Elijah, types and shadows of what was to be fully understood and fully realized in Jesus. It points us in the direction. It gives us an understanding. It shows us where we should be looking for. But once we have found the one we are looking for, let's look at him. They were they they had purpose. They they were used by God. They were they were mighty men of God, but they were not the Messiah. They were not the chosen one. They were not the Son of God. The Father says, listening, and I would just simply ask you this morning, are you listening? Are you listening? Listen to far too many. and prophets, we need to stop listening to voices and giving shelter to the folk who do not preach the gospel truth and kingdom living. Grace and truth. Are we listening to Stop giving a place for those things in your life. The Father speaks. Listen to says this in verse 15. For we do not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As the lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. The voice from heaven changed their life. The testimony of the father, it confirmed the witness of Elijah and Moses. Moses and Elijah were witnesses. They weren't the person of interest. They were witnesses of and to the person of Jesus. And the testimony of the Father confirmed the witness of the Lord. Among creation, God and man, prophet, priest, and king, the covenant keeper and the new covenant giver, the sin bearer and the sacrifice for sin, the deliverer and the great God and King, the man, Christ Jesus, the They discussed his departure. Discussed his departure our
this season and every new battle. You may not be ready for that departure. Maybe you need to discuss with God your departure. God, give me my son. Be the king of my life. No more shelters, no more tents to other on you, Jesus. I'm only going to worship you, Jesus. I'm only going to build a shelter for you, Jesus. I'm only going to dwell with you in your house forever, Jesus. Morning, if you need that type of deliverance, that type of departure, departure from the old self,
Jesus and see Jesus. Set your mind on Jesus.